0: Welcome to the Game Deflators podcast, episode 41. My name is John, and I'm joined by my faithful companion, Ryan. Hey, everybody. How's it going
1: out there? Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and live for the first time this last Saturday at Phoenix, the Inflation Deflation Challenge. I wasn't live at Phoenix. No, but we were, and we are the Inflation
0: Deflation Challenge. I'm inflation. You can be deflation. Uh, you know what? I could use with some of that. That's what your wife tells me as well. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right, dude. Well, yeah. We were live this week. We were at Game... Jeez, man. I'm messing up here. Game On Expo. Game On Expo. Pretty sweet. Got to see some old friends. Um, and on top of that, we got to meet some awesome new people. And we'll get into that a little bit later in the news. Uh, Ryan, what did you pick up? So this week... I picked up a
1: fun little mobile game. I haven't played around with it too much, but I'm looking to try it out a little bit more. Dice Tactics by our own local Game Wave Studios. They were out there at uh, Game On Expo showing off their game, and uh, we checked it out. We talked to the developer for a little bit. It was a fun time. He was a very nice guy, and you know, it's good to see that Phoenix has some people out there
0: making some stuff. Yeah, dude, we actually saw quite a bit of them out there. And uh, if you're curious on where to find this, uh, just type in Dice Tactics. Dice on, Tactics uh, on Android the Store or, Android um, store, or an Apple Store. store.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's a fun little like
0: card RPG. It's got some great like dice rolling everything. art. Yeah, it's uh, it's a cool thing. Yeah, I was actually playing a plane the other day when I was uh, heading out to. Um, for work out of town and uh yeah it it was nice to be able to kill some time it's great because it doesn't have um any ties to the internet so i was actually able to play it on the plane like i don't know how many times well i don't know how much you travel but sometimes when i download a game on my phone it has to be connected to the internet in some capacity right i've played some of those games because of the microtransaction or anything else this is actually really cool because i was able to play it on the plane had no worries about what was going on and um Yeah, it was pretty cool. I took a nice little break for a moment there. I was like, let me play some Dice Tactics, you know, in between um, some time on the plane. And it it was great. So, uh, yeah, uh, check them out, Dice Tactics. And as far as other pickups, dude, what else did you have?
1: Well, I took a cue from you last week and I picked up the free PS Plus games for this month. So there was uh, Wipeout Omega Collection, which has a few of the Wipeout games in there. I'm not really a fan or have ever really played them before but it's good to know that i have
0: them if i want them and then also sniper elite 4 which i have also never played any of uh so coincidentally ryan i also picked up dice tactics by our friends at game wave studios no kidding no kidding and i also picked up the playstation plus games for august see everybody out there follow our advice these are three free
1: games that you can pick up right now put those in your pocket yeah for Add sure, to dude. your collection. Bump or, it up for the nice, nice price of whatever
0: you're paying for whatever subscription model for PS Plus you have. Yeah, typically for Ryan, it's a dollar for all of his pickups. Uh, I'm usually zero to well, negative. I mean, I mean you're, negative. Paying,
1: you're paying whatever variable rate, you, whether you buy three months or month by month or a year long,
0: it's only going to cost you your PS Plus. That's and true. And Dice Tactics is totally free if oh, you yeah. have a smartphone that can wield it. So far, from what we know, maybe there's microtransactions. Don't do it um well dude uh what are you playing overall this week uh still playing
1: zone of the enders not very much it's been one week since you looked at me yeah it has And looked at you in the eyes and told you john i've barely played any video games this last week it's becoming a real problem when i'm uh just sitting there and i'm like you know what I haven't really played anything and I have a podcast to record tonight. So maybe I should play like an hour, maybe exac- the day before. Yeah, that's exactly what I I'm kind of starting to do so I'm I'm going to I'm going to figure out, you know, it's been a rough year, but we were looking it up and we're about 1 year. We were just starting to do our test runs of the show about this time last year. So it feels good to kinda come full circle and I really need to uh, start investing more in the game spot now that we've really got the
0: podcast part on lockdown. Uh hashtag could be a sponsor, not a sponsor, GameSpot. Uh (laughs) (laughs) we haven't used that in so long. Uh yeah, dude. Uh actually for anybody out there, if you haven't heard the lost episodes of the Game Deflators, those are our test runs. So they're probably gonna seem very off. You're gonna be like, what the hell news are they talking about? This is totally like early 2018 or mid 2018 there's a reason why so check out those lost episodes hear how poor we were and how great we got after we got a soundboard well, it's one of those things, when we first started doing
1: the podcast, John had done a little bit of it, obviously, so we needed to really kind of figure out how to get me involved, so it's always good to do some dry runs and see how you can start coming together and develop the idea before you really throw it out there, so now that we've refined things now, and we're still trimming down, and we're still trying to make you know more changes going into the new year, bigger, better, and uh, going out to... Uh, Game On Expo was one of those things that we've really been
0: needing to do was actually go out as the game deflators and see what the people have to say. It was our grand reveal. Uh, So yeah, let's talk about some Game On Expo, dude. I obviously have been to far too many conventions in my lifetime uh, at this point. And I thought it was really cool. We didn't get to do any panels or anything along those lines, but uh, they brought us out, um, allowed us to come in as media, uh, check things out. We end up seeing... um, uh, Eric Weil, while we were there. So uh, a good friend of mine used to work with uh, Sony Online Entertainment and uh, worked on the EverQuest games as a, as a designer. So that was pretty cool. Getting to hang out with him for a while. And uh, he introduced us to some cool people. We got to meet uh, Paul uh, Niemeyer, who worked on the Mortal Kombat games as an artist. Uh, showed us around some of the indie developers. And um, yeah, I thought it was really cool, dude. The overall landscape of that vendor's room was set up pretty nicely you had all your voice actors and such on one side and then your artist alley it it wasn't really separated by by any means i've seen a lot of cons including one i used to run where the artist alley was very much separate from the vendors so you kind of knew who was artists and who was a, a regular vendor and i guess in this case who's a developer and it was just split up really nicely uh the only qualm i would have actually was and and this isn't on game on. This is actually more on the vendors themselves having very I don't know, their their location and how they stacked up their games and how they set up their booth. Some of them were just weird. like they there was one guy that I think he had like a ten by twenty space, and he pretty much laid out like, this long row of tables across and a long row of tables behind that. And to get in, you had to like funnel your way through like 20 people to even get to the games. It was just such a cluster. I, I was out of it. I didn't even want to dig through games at that point. So there's a lot of vendors that were like that. And I really wish they would have had some of those vendors a different layout. And uh, maybe that's something that Game On can do in terms of widening that space. They had a whole stage, uh, which really wasn't used while we were there it was probably more of a nighttime activity thing we just didn't see that uh we and that went was early of- on saturday yeah. morning right when they opened 10 so to about we got one, got there before, two o'clock
1: yeah we got there before the rush and stayed through about lunch and it did start filling up more after that we were just kind of pressed for time this weekend and we weren't exactly sure that we were into games on expo until kind of last minute we scrambled together and went so it's definitely something that next year we're going to be much more prepared for and we're already starting to look into future conventions in the area that we might be able to go to and um at you know there was some spaces there that maybe weren't the best layout but yeah you know a lot of the things that were there were really good i mean the uh the artists in the artist alley i mm-hmm. got a bunch of people's cards i looked at a bunch of people's stuff started following a bunch more people on Uh, Instagram. I'm an art major myself, so I really appreciated seeing some of the art graduation. Yeah. Art graduate.
0: Yeah. There you
1: go. Seeing most of the people out there, it was really inspiring. You know, I like going out and seeing people who are doing their art and then the collections of people there that were selling. You know, it wasn't exactly what I thought. I thought there would be way, way more games than there actually were. I was surprised at how many extra game things there were like figurines and stuff there was a lot of those but not i expected to just see mountains and mountains of games
0: yeah and the one thing i noticed and this and again this isn't on game on expo by all means uh some of the vendors just didn't have as many games as i would have liked to have seen now i can tell you though hearing from previous uh well friends that have gone to different gaming conventions a lot of that stuff ends up disappearing on friday you know, people hit it up and they find all the best games they can. And what really remains is a lot of the common titles or heavy hitters that people just really aren't willing to shell out three, four hundred bucks for. Uh, by the way, there was a guy I saw a picture on, uh, I think it was Instagram. He picked up the Maximum Carnage Collector's Edition for three fifty. Damn, that's so, a big purchase.
1: Yeah, that was Maybe actually, he's a listener.
0: Maybe he's a listener. I don't know. Maximum Carnage, yeah, maybe you're a I, listener. I
1: think that was uh, still inflated, but we did see that collector's edition when we did
0: that, and it was pricey. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, overall, the event, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I honestly would like to see a, a few more developers there, but I do understand that they might not have... Uh, a whole ton of them in the air. I mean, you're pulling from Phoenix. It's still a growing event. And maybe they're just, they haven't pulled out everybody that they can into this show. So I'm really, I think the future is bright for this event. And uh, I definitely want to go again and, and check it out next year and definitely hit up some panels and maybe do the full, you know, maybe two days or, or all three days. Yeah, we'll uh,
1: we'll try to get out there more for Game On next year. And, you know, some of the people that we met out there were really nice and uh, they talked to us and we might even be able to get some of them on the podcast in the future to share with us, you know, their experiences at Game On Expo and other expos in the area that we may be able to go to in the future, as well as, you know, how they
0: think of the Phoenix gaming scene yeah, and, dude, so one of the studios I really liked, I don't remember if they were local or not. They might have been Tucson, if I'm correct. Uh, but Studio Noir, they were running uh, Legend of Orion, that dungeon builder. Yeah. Dude, I know it's not, like, anything game-breaking, like, it's not the... It was impressive, it, but for it was the state that they're at in it. Yeah, they're in, like, Alpha stage, I think, and um, they have a Kickstarter going on uh, right now. But it was super cool being able to... Uh, just carve out your dungeon, put your monsters wherever you wanted, your your lights, your treasure chests, all of that. And then the overall idea is that you build out your dungeons and you share them online and other Mario people Mario Maker yeah, style. Mario Maker D&D, basically, to an extent, or dungeon crawler. So that was super cool. So a uh, shout out to them. And then we played, it was um, a roguelite, right? It was uh, Wicked Cake Games, I believe. And uh, they had Shadow Crawl. Oh, Shadow Crawl. Yeah, uh, I didn't try that one. You tried that one. Th- I tried that one. It was pretty cool. Um, that's it's usually not something that I would typically play, but I dude, it was just the colors were there and um the overall gameplay seemed pretty fluid uh for the stage it was in. And the guy that was there was actually based out of he said he built the whole thing in like his garage. Like he developed it all in his garage and any type of creative process that he thinks of, he like tosses in the game in an area where it fits. Another cool thing about that, he had a card game that was tied to it that we didn't see. Yeah, I'd learned about it after the fact. I wish I would have noticed that when we were there. Yeah, that was really interesting. It
1: it had so much depth to it. It, He was so excited to share it with us, and it just seemed like it was layered with all kinds of ideas, and it would really take some, some time to sit in and get comfortable with the game, but it...
0: It was very interesting game for a one man project too. It's very impressive. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. And one of the things I really liked about the developers that we were talking with was, you know, you could kind of get the feel that this was like their baby while you were just playing this. And they were also excited to share what they had been creating. And that was just one of the, the cooler things about it. And the fact that so many of them were from the Valley, it was just awesome to, like, experience that and understand, like, there's homegrown games, like, right in our backyard. Yeah, and, the vibe and was real them. good. The yeah. vibe
1: was real good there. Everybody was real cool, more than happy to share. You know, they kept uh, encouraging us to, you know, oh, go ahead and try again. You know, it was it was fun to be amongst the people who are doing it, because I've never, you know, i play games, you know, obviously not as much as I should, but... I play games, but I've never really spent time with anybody who makes games, and I think that getting to know more people that make games will just deepen that appreciation that I have, and going to places like this is really the only way that, you know, we're going to get a foot in the door, and we, I would like to really thank Game On Expo for having us and uh, giving us that media
0: access so that we could get in and have this experience and talk so highly of them. Yeah, exactly, dude. I, I know um, they're just going to get bigger, and You know, the events are just going to be so much better down the road. And I really wish we could have seen some panels to get the full blown experience. We just we were pressed for time, obviously, and it was kind of a last minute thing. But I do want to shout out to a couple more of them. Seven Sentinels Gaming uh, that was out there. Um, Well, Seven Sentinels, I think, is the title, right, of that particular game? Or is that the studio? uh which game seven sentinels the one where we went into the little booth and we were hanging out oh we had the spaceship with the colors and the spaceship yeah yeah that was real interesting it
1: was maybe not the maybe not the best for me i didn't do very good at it but it was a really good looking game i know that they're pretty early in the development it sounded like but the uh the idea of it and the look of it are real interesting. So I would like to follow up. We're going to keep all these and we're going to try to keep ourselves abridged on how all these are going and maybe touch base with these people again next year if we happen to see them there.
0: Yeah, so Seven Sentinels Gaming and a game that we're talking about is Chroma Shift. Dude, it actually looked really cool, the overall um, design of it and the flow. I mean, it was very well polished in terms of design. Uh, Obviously, it's in testing mode still. So uh, there was one point where uh, it was after, I think they said the boss was like, one health point or something like that set specifically for the convention. And uh, there's at one point I was trying to get a pickup and I missed it. And we just looked at him. He's like, oh, that's a bug. Like that's just something that needs to be fixed. But it's just super cool to be in like that test mode and and be able to experience that. One last person, the thing we need to mention, Rewind by Design. Rewind by Design. If you were going to mention him,
1: I was going to be. This guy, you need to get out there. If you're listening to us, follow this guy on Instagram, Tell him the game Deflators sent you. He was the coolest guy. We talked to him for a long time. He makes custom arcade cabinets just for himself, just for fun. He didn't even play the games at all or very much, he said, but he takes these custom cabinets. He builds all of it himself. He does all the painting himself, and uh, he puts old games that aren't actually arcade games into arcade cabinets uh he was showcasing a legend of zelda he had one of our favorites ghostbusters 2 oh my god (laughs) dude that was the coolest cabinet yeah and uh ducktales ducktales yeah. yeah and they were amazing looking the level of detail i mean he said he spent you know 300 hours on this one and 500 hours on that one and 300 hours on this one they were just absolutely stupendous and it was such a joy to talk to him and he was just so happy to be out there sharing these creations that he makes
0: with everybody else uh it was really it was a really cool thing to see he actually made a cabinet specifically for one of the indie developers out there and the for their game and uh oh yeah we walked by that booth yeah. that was a good looking one we didn't have a chance so to they, stop
1: and talk to them very no mutually. we didn't have a
0: chance to but uh he did make it custom for them they purchased it obviously because of the time and and being able to have that but that was super cool man the fact that he created this you know he said he had what an automotive background yeah like he automotive, has a background design. And automotive and stuff so
1: you know it's all really high quality gloss paint and finish on these
0: cabinets he uses chrome in a lot of
1: what he's doing as well which is pretty sweet yeah that uh, ghostbusters one with the uh all the lights and sirens
0: and stuff on top of the
1: cabinet that was very impressive. He made all that himself.
0: Yeah, his name was uh, Sam, by the way. That was his name. So yeah, check it out on Instagram, Rewind by Design. Um, really liked talking to him and just kind of picking his brain and seeing the uh, just his creations just in front of us. That was really cool. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else on Game On Expo, dude. You know what's funny is we didn't pick up any video games while we were there. Well, you know me and picking up video games, if they're not a dollar or less or free, i don't do it that's true well you did uh stop by yaoi scum uh to pick up some stuff for your wife yeah i got some uh (laughs) however you want to pronounce that Some
1: little tiny baby body pillows that are about like the size of a pen for her for uh a couple of her favorite characters oh uh prompto and noctis
0: you know prompto and noctis i do yeah (laughs) yeah she said i don't know if i ship these yet but i will um And then I picked up, it was a Zelda potion. Uh, You have the card by them, Uh, by the way. We can just call them out. It's uh, the one that has a little brown on it. It's a brown card. While you look for it, I will just keep talking nonsense. These people. Yeah, so uh, Tabletop Alchemy. They were pretty cool. Uh, So Jessica Combs and Austin Gray. So check them out as well on Instagram at Tabletop Academy. Uh, They were actually really cool. So uh, great prices for what they were selling. And it was like a high-quality potion bottle where they had custom labels on the front and they filled it up with a gel of some sort and it was just really cool so we have it in our harry potter themed bathroom that my wife is all nuts about (laughs) so uh yeah pretty cool stuff at the at the show itself uh do you want to go into our, our next topic sir
1: yeah so game on expo we really enjoyed you but moving on into the future into the now the now what's happening it's day two of dota ti 9 2019 the international people if if you haven't heard me talk about it before i talk about it every so often my love of watching dota 2 as an esport
0: it's go ahead i was gonna say this whole section is for you i have no idea i don't keep up with any dota see i never did either and i'm gonna let anybody out there listening
1: know I never watched any Dota. I played like two rounds of Dota. I played a bunch of League, but I never got into Dota. And then about five years ago, I watched The International just on a fluke on Twitch. I fell in love with it. I've been watching the International every year since, and I've been watching more and more Dota majors and minors every year since. Uh, I got the Strafe app. I did all my predictions leading up through tomorrow so that I can take some time, see how the bracket develops, and
0: then make my next bets off of there. So is the International pretty much like your version of not watching football all year and then partying during the Super Bowl? Yeah,
1: but I actually did watch this whole season. Oh, okay, so you actually did watch. Yeah, I watched watched most of this season. I watched all the majors. I watched some of the minors. It was a lot easier to keep track this year with the changes they made to the schedule and how the point system was going to work for the DPC this year. I'm interested to see how they change it up for next year because it it always kind of throws a little twinge in there to see how people are going to qualify and who's going to qualify. But just a little recap of day one so day one was pretty good i was watching the multi-stream uh it's in china for the first time every other year up till now it's been uh in seattle that's where valve's headquarters it's
0: a valve event interesting that it's in china given that just what like maybe two three episodes ago we talked about how they would be implementing um the whole like point system for their society and like You would not get punished, but you would get, like, penalized for playing too many games. So it's interesting that it's in China. Well, in Dota, especially the pros there, this is something that will be interesting to, I mean,
1: not interesting, really. It'll be kind of brutal, but to see how this affects their lives. Like, as people whose livelihood is playing Dota, you know, they play Dota like people have jobs and go to the gym And do all the normal stuff, they spend all that time playing Dota and they fit the rest of their lives around that. So it'll be, you know, kind of, we'll see what goes on with that because it's going to be amazing to see. So every year, the way that it starts off is right now, all of the teams that have qualified for Dota TI through playing the DPC season and getting their points, and then the people who got in through the qualifiers. So right now, they're doing. Uh, a round robin best of two system where everybody plays against everybody in their bracket to see where you're going to go in the upper bracket or the lower bracket. So we've got about four days of those type of matchups going on. So for day one, uh secret secret has been the top team this year. They led the DPC. They've been crushing majors. They're nigh unstoppable nobody's keeping secret from what they want so keep an eye out for them they're a good bet if you're uh trying to pick uh wins and stuff for like if you're on strafe uh another thing og og came in last year after a huge change to their roster they managed to go all the way and cinderella story win ti last year it was an amazing thing to watch if the story that you can see in a dota tournament as the meta evolves and as these teams compete for you know the title nobody's ever won dota twice or ti twice yet no team no player so each year it kind of builds like okay all the top teams who's going to be the first to take it twice who's going to be the first player who's going to be the first team how many years have they been doing this again this is the ninth so, um, OG's looking pretty good as of day one. They're kind of, they got one win and one tie. So that's not a great record. And then, um, EG is the big U S team, evil geniuses. Uh, they're always a good team. They're always good to watch, but they didn't really show up very well on day one. They finished, uh, one and one. That's one draw and one loss. So, you know, If you're if you're out there and you haven't played Dota or you haven't watched Dota, hop in, cheer on the boys with EG. They're doing great. You know, they're uh, they're always working hard to bring the points for the U.S., but the U.S. is not not the leading Dota team right now, but it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. Uh, it goes all the way until the 25th. You better believe I'm going to be watching the championships. You gotta believe. Unless it's like at 3 in the morning, which I didn't realize, but it might be. But it's the biggest esports competition. I mean, first place takes $15 million. I mean, eighth, 18th place still takes like $85,000. It's a giant prize pool.
0: Get out there, support esports, people. It's great. Is uh, that price pool like, 85000 and $15 million, is that split amongst, like, the whole team? And uh, many... I'm assuming it's split between the whole team and the organization. Gotcha.
1: Because okay. the one thing you'll notice, like, I only watch Dota, but I have seen some other esports stuff. So the teams, like, Evil Geniuses might have a team doing other esports out there and i'm assuming that everybody kind of gets a chunk and you get a bonus off of your own winnings or something i don't know how it
0: works that's just what my guess would be right i was trying to find your uh your article just now on amazon but i'm just going to go ahead and uh and load it up on here oh yeah so because i wanted to see a lot of the games that we're going to talk about yeah so what john's talking about uh you know
1: Out there, watch esports, but moving on from that, there was uh, something I spotted on N4G today. There is a huge list of games for modern consoles, you know, like Xbox, PS4, Switch, Japanese published games on sale up to 60% off. It's just a huge list of games. So, if there's anything out there that you've been looking for that's Japanese published check out this list we'll go ahead and link it or you know just search for something you're looking for and cross your fingers on
0: amazon but there's a good chance that it's going to be on sale so well it's a daily video game and uh amazon slashes up to 62 percent off on japanese published games so if you look that up you'll find it yep. um but yeah just some of the games on here really oh my god this is killing me kingdom hearts 3, 50% off i'm curious what the price point is on that though Okay, so this is $30, so really they're pricing it at 60 bucks. It's usually 30 bucks anywhere. So some of these you're going to notice are not going to be a fantastic deal, hence the Kingdom Hearts 3. It's everywhere for 30 bucks right now. Um, but, I mean, there's some interesting games in here, like uh, Schoolgirl Zombie Hunter is one I've had my eye on for a long time just because it looks weird. Um, you've got uh, World of Final Fantasy Maxima on this list. Uh, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes. That's actually a pretty interesting one. Steinsgate. Um, Kotodama is on here. Final Fantasy 12, Zodiac Age, 30% off on Xbox One. Jump Force just came out last year. I think so, it? yeah. But that wasn't even f- out that long. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it was the game. Like, it got a lot of hype, but I don't think it really did much after that. um God Eater 3 is on there, which is pretty interesting. 34% off on PS4. And then Octopath Traveler, 23% off. Uh, that one I want to say is about yeah that's actually pretty good it's usually about 50 bucks so uh there's some definitely uh good titles on this list um so if you're looking for anything new and uh they're itching to play a new game check out this list what is blade strangers i don't know i i've never seen that a lot of these. Oh, i've seen
1: this i mean they're all they're all japanese games so that you bet there's a bunch of jrpgs out there and you know some fighting games and you know, any anything that's got your anime style characters going on, that looks
0: like it's a fighting game. of Yeah, some kind. it was actually funny enough. I had my eye on it the other day. Okay, then cool. I look at it. Uh, Lots kill. of stuff to excite John. Maybe he'll have some big pickups next week. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Ooh, Yakuza Kiwami Two. See, there we go. That's exactly what I'm saying. Thirty bucks. Actually, that's not bad. Is that the that's the Steel Book too? Yeah, actually, wait. Do I have that? I don't
1: know. You go ahead and look at that while uh, we bring up our next. Thing we're going to talk about a uh, PS5 rumor. So PS5 is rumored to be coming out in uh or talked about, released as a presentation or at some kind I'll, of I'll take press this. event. I'll
0: take this one, Ryan. February 12th, 2020. They're going to be talking about, supposedly, it's been leaked. They're going to reveal the release date for the PlayStation 5. So rumors you know we could say all the rumors we want um we never know if it's true but given the history of a lot of the major players microsoft uh nintendo and uh sony it's gonna release in fall of 2020 like it's just going to i mean they've released it i think in november for the last three consoles why would it be any different this year you know it's just before holiday season get the excitement up sell a bunch of consoles get them off the shelf that they're going to make money easily on that during the holiday season. So I'm going to say on a whim, I don't know, November 15th, November 15th. You hear it. I heard it here first folks. I'm just guessing November 15th, November 15th, put it in your books or it's going to be some stupid, like anniversary type date. We'll have to look that up. Something fall 2020, you know it, we know it. Everybody knows it. Sony knows it. They just don't want to tell us. Um, Well, that being said, so interestingly enough, uh, Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, I want to play so badly, man. It looks sweet. Uh, Not a lot has come out on that in the last year, really. It it got a big pop in E3 of 2018, and it's been radio silent ever since. Uh, Last of Us 2, we've seen some gameplay. We've seen some trailers. Looks awesome, obviously. Both of these games, uh, they're thinking based on rumors and based on the timing of the PlayStation five, they will likely be pushed into 2020 as releases for the new console really to obviously spike sales. Uh, but they're going to drum up interest right away. Yeah. Like these are games that I've wanted to play for a while. I don't know if I'd be willing to grab a PS five all of a sudden just to play these two games. Cause that's a pretty big investment just right off the bat. Um, especially trying to pick up both of these games at the same time. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they released them on say ps4 and then as a late release and then put like a remastered on ps5 or did a dual release kind of back like um in the ps1 ps2 days and i guess some playstation 3 uh where you had madden for example you might have you know madden i think it was like 2001 to 2003 if i'm correct they were released on you know The PlayStation 1 and the PlayStation 2 at the same time, simultaneously. See, my go-to for that is always Twilight
1: Princess, because I got it, and my friend got it, but the uh, GameCube and Wii versions are mirrored. So I had my Wii version guidebook, and I was trying to help her out in her GameCube version, and it's like every left was a right, every right was a left, so it's like I was reading the book and trying to tell her where to go, and it just wasn't working.
0: I think you just don't know
1: directions. Well, the maps are mirrored in the game. So an exact mirror? Yeah, they literally just mirror the game for the GameCube and the Wii versions. That's so because weird. Because Link is traditionally left-handed, but he's right-handed in the Wii version because the majority of people are right-handed and you want to swing that sword. I could see that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So
1: and they just flipped the whole game to make it easy. They didn't have to change which hand his sword was in. They just flipped everything. Isn't that one of the worst Wii games?
0: By the, or worst Zelda ports? i don't know i had fun with it i've always heard like i think it's that one it's not skyward sword i've heard good things about skyward i've never played sword. that one
1: yeah i've seen nobody likes it. skyward sword though everybody shits on that really
0: yeah i never noticed that
1: yeah skyward sword do you know anything do you know internet have you never heard of Ego Raptor and his ranting against skyward sword no oh my god
0: no i haven't i mean i have it i just it's not one i've played. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Zelda guy either, so I'm not gonna blame I, you. Uh, yeah, personally, I'm not. You know, I, I've played Link to the Past and Link Between Worlds, and um, what's the other one? Wind Waker. You know, I've played. I'm those. excited for
1: the new one.
0: Yeah, that's actually gonna be pretty sweet with the Breath uh, of the Wild two, I guess. No, 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 the uh, uh,
1: Link's Awakening. Oh, the, re- yeah, the, yeah, the remake one. of the GBA. Yeah, that one. Uh, well,
0: Game Boy Color. I Game Boy, Boy Color. Real. Yeah. That looks really cool. I'm a sucker for that toy-style looking. Yeah, that's actually pretty sweet looking. Okay, we're getting off track. Yeah, we're getting Uh, off track. So,
1: anyways, that's all we got in the news. This week, let me uh, conduct your attention over to the inflation deflation. And as we start to crescendo in the episode, let's just take it down a little bit and watch, watch our tempo and... And just feel our way through the pressure of this situation the fact as we that start you are... to talk about
0: Mad Maestro for the PS2. The fact that you just came up with all of that in your head right now, or are you like not paying attention and just like writing this down to. I'm, I'm a Mad Maestro, dude. I know all my conductorial verbs and adjectives. I'm pretty sure some of those aren't actually words, but. Um... So, yeah, Ryan's right. We played some Mad Maestro on the PlayStation 2 and learned, so anybody out there that's uh, got a PlayStation Slim or PlayStation 2 Slim, do not play blueback CD games on your PlayStation 2. Oh. Oh, my God, dude. That was, like, just buzzing and rattling the entire time. Yeah, so there's something about you – you read the thing. What did it say? Apparently – I didn't know this, but apparently um, the PlayStation 2, especially the Slim, it's louder um, – I guess because it's not as thick and it doesn't get shielded as much from the volume doesn't get shielded as much as a fat PS2. But evidently CD based games spin at twice the speed of DVD based games. So to our point, while we were playing Mad Maestro, they had cutscenes which went super slow. Like, I guess the disc wasn't you, yeah, spinning very much. You couldn't even
1: hear the disc running. Completely and then it silent. Would
0: cut back to gameplay and it'd be like, Vroom. it was the weirdest thing, man. I had never known that. I, I'd, played games in the past and always just been like yeah whatever like it just wasn't something i paid attention to but that game was loud it was super loud so note to self we play a rhythm game yeah during a rhythm game yeah that that was very helpful so needless to say we need to hook up the fat ps2 so we don't have that issue anymore yeah and um or just not play any more blueback games but there's so many good ones right like the original zone of the enders in the original eco and okage shadow king
1: which I need to play. Oh, I've always wanted to play that. I rented it once and I didn't understand, like, why are they all talking in Pig Latin?
0: <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> well, back to the inflation deflation. So, uh, Mad Maestro. Very loud game on my PlayStation 2. Uh, would so you we like got, to start
1: it? Yeah, so Mad Maestro, uh, it was developed by uh, Desert Productions, published by Sony and uh, Eidos Entertainment in the NAEU. Uh, directed by Hiroyuki Kotani. Released in March 2002 in North America, and it got a reception of lukewarm to warm. It got between like a six and a nine, depending on who you asked at the time. Somebody who's better than we are. But the thing is, I thought this was a pretty interesting game. One of the things, I read the synopsis before we played, and I like the premise of the game as you're you're a music conductor and the spirit of this hall where music has been performed since the town was built is going to be destroyed it it doesn't do a good job of telling you that except for this annoying fairy that shows up but you're trying to go around and help people out with the power of music and get them on your side to save this place I mean, it's all very Disney Sunday morning presentation. I mean, even like the graphics themselves look like they're from like the era of Roly Poly Oly on your TV. But I like the premise of a game about a different type of protagonist trying to do a different type of thing. Like you're trying to save this grand music hall with the power of your music. Which is a
0: fun idea that hasn't been done. So the one thing I did notice while we were playing is, you know, you told me to premise, they're trying to save this hall, And the fairy, you know, because it's gonna be destroyed. And the fairy says, Let's go out to the town for all the people. They all love music. I'm like, evidently they don't because they're destroying the concert hall. Yeah. It just makes no sense. Uh, but dude, to your point, uh, yeah, I don't recall outside of power or Rapper or rapper, I don't know of many rhythm games that had that type of feel to it. I mean, yeah, you had, like, um, the dancing games and such where you press the different buttons, but this was different because you really could just press one button if you wanted to, or press a button in directional, and it was more, m- like, sensitivity-based. So red was uh, D- mashing it Just describe it them green. the whole layout. Okay, so you pretty much have a square, and it might be different on normal mode i know we just want me to describe it no 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 no, i actually read the tutorial i read the tutorial too (laughs) on my phone while i wasn't watching it so yeah you've got a diamond of four dots and uh, you have a little ball that goes across on each one so it's kind of like you're conducting and you're supposed to keep up with the tempo of the music that's being played and the idea is to uh if you have a red circle you have to mash the button a green one Like a kind of mash it, not too much. And then blue was like a light touch. Sometimes you had directional buttons at the same time where you had to hit. In my case, I was just using the X button. Uh, If it was a blue circle and a directional, a light touch. I'm going to stop
1: you there and I'm going to explain this in a better way. No, 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 no. I'm almost done. No, no, no. You're doing a terrible job. So the premise of the game is conducting the music. So the music goes on and you just try to do your best to set the tempo. You have. Four circles arranged in a diamond with a ball bouncing between them. You have to keep the tempo by hitting the beat as the ball passes over one of the circles on the corners of the diamonds. Now, each time that you press the button, it is contextual to how hard you press the button, or I'm guessing it's probably more within which speed you press the button as the ball approaches. You're killing me. So you have to either... Push the button very hard, push it regularly, or push it softly, but... Based have... on what colors, Ryan? Okay, yes, blue, green, and red. Yes. What is a you... red main? Yes, John, you explained that part of it well, but the mm-hmm. rest of it was kind of an amalgamation. I was going to get there, sir. And you have to keep the tempo while pushing forward a meter on the left. Now, the meter on the left builds as you do better and depletes as you do worse but if you have the meter all the way full you go into angel mode and in angel mode everything's going wonderful bravo
0: mode sir
1: no they literally say angel mode well it says bravo but they say that if you start doing bad while in the angel mode then it'll flip to devil mode which is the like anti win condition. If you're performing badly the whole time, everything goes to shit and it's in devil mode. So you have to be good all the way up to the end. We both ran into this several times where you can be doing tremendously the whole time. And then at the very last minute you start to fuck up and you switch into devil mode and you lose right at the end.
0: So it was, what, the fourth level that that occurred? Yeah. So I'll have all the listeners know that I actually beat the first three levels because Ryan could not keep up his tempo. Um, level four, I was absolutely destroying it. We were like, wow, we just knocked this out on one round, and next thing you know, it's got red, green, red, green, and then directional buttons mixed in, and I was doing all right, but on the last set of a diamond, it just had, like, a light blue, a blue, a red, and then, like, another green. And it just completely went haywire and screwed up. So we're just watching, and Ryan's like, yeah, you're going to beat it. And then one mess up, two mess up, boo, you fail. And it it was just terrible at that point.
1: For whatever reason, we both had a really hard time with the right side. Hitting the right side, we would hit the top, left, and bottom perfect every time. That right side was really the only part that ever gave us any trouble Which is really weird because you're keeping the same timing, assumedly, through the whole thing. But something about that
0: right side, we just never consistently got it to hit well. Well, later on I did, actually. So what was funny is initially I was getting the top of a diamond with no issues. And it was Bravo every time. Then it got to a point where I was getting Bravo every time on the right side. But I was getting, like, just a normal on the top. See, and... The other thing was that the
1: when you're in the angel mode, doing well, which you have to be in the angel mode to win. If you're not in the angel mode, you lose. Oh, and your meter has to be all the way at the top, too. Yeah, it has to be all the way at the top. But every time you hit a note, the angel thing pops up above the top diamond right where it says if you did good or bad. So it's like half the time that angel's up there, and the good and the bad are so close together because you can't see it because it's obscured by the angel.
0: It's hard to tell whether you're actually hitting that last one good or bad. Yeah, it was the game itself, I, I like the premise of it. I like the the tempo component. I'm not a big fan of music, obviously. That's the one thing that I think is the biggest downfall to the game is the music. Well, it's a mad maestro. Well,
1: it, it's a conductor. It, yeah, it's a Madmeister. He's it's not going to conduct
0: death metal. I mean, it's no, going to be symphonies. I'm
1: not saying it has to be that, but I'm just saying that it's that's probably the hardest sell on this game. Like The big sell on music and rhythm games is that the music's fun and you enjoy playing them. And this game is just so much not the music you're really going to want to be like, man, I really want to sit there and pound out
0: that song again well and the other part of it too is that it would have been different if on the diamond it was a representation of square x circle and triangle which maybe is a case if you play in like normal mode and it's just because we were on easy mode for the sake of playing it and all i had to do is hit the x button the whole time at once it got to where okay i just need to hit the x button and not circle triangle and square it was way too easy at that point. And I found myself just, like, blazing through levels until, obviously, that one that just completely destroys you at the last second. Yeah. So,
1: Mad Maestro uh, for PS2, we're looking at complete in-box $5, and right now it's at its peak. This is the highest price on average that the game's been since it launched. So, if uh, if you're looking to pick it up... You might as well wait for it to drop down. And actually John got it for about $5 when uh he bought it. So he paid too much for this game. John actually
0: overpaid for a game. I didn't overpay for that game. That's actually an eBay price. I probably paid more like 3 or 4 for it. Okay. Okay. Well, the sticker says 4.99. Yeah, cuz it came from
1: somebody's shop. But um, uh, and that's that's actually trending up. So Is it, it seriously? By trending up, I mean that by pennies, yeah, pennies, and then uh, loose 354, it peaked at about 420 in uh, October 2015. That's going up slightly. Look, this game is moved around often. You can go online, you can buy this game from just about anyone. Nobody's looking to make a bunch of money off of it. If it's something that you need for your collection, you're a diehard music fan, or if you're actually a fan of the music in here. I would definitely say this game is worth picking up. I think that for $5, if you're
0: into what this is offering, it's an absolute steal. So for me, it was actually, uh, when I initially picked this up, I also picked it up with Mr. Mosquito. I'm actually a fan of like really weird Japanese games, and this is just one of them. Like, who the hell makes a game about a mad maestro? And He's not even mad. He's a good maestro. Yeah so it makes no sense uh so yeah he does kind of walk in and be like all right let's make this about me
1: real quick and that last episode or that last uh level that we played there was all kinds of like chicks walking around in lingerie i mean it's it's definitely a weird japanese game there is definitely a lot of japanese isms going on in the game
0: especially the wife of the first individual yeah yeah that was definitely like uh, dead or Alive, extreme volleyball, <laughs> yeah, PS2 polygon sure. style, and a dress like that was it was quite interesting. Um, I even was just like, "Whoa, that's a lot going on there." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's another one too. You got this couple fighting. He's like, "Hold on, people, I'm just gonna get some music going here so you can dance." And dude, it was crazy. Like when you were doing poorly, like I don't know if you noticed this at one point, but in the first level when they're the couples dancing. Uh, if you're doing poorly, everything just kind of starts to disappear, yeah. right, and fall apart. But if midway through you start doing okay, it reverses everything, yeah. and it's like the car that broke down and the wheels popped out, like the wheel shot back into the car yeah, and it, it got it has propped that up.
1: Same kind of Parappa the Rappa thing where it's like turn to the left. Everything starts to go to heck, and then everything starts to get itself back together depending on how you did. And I mean, this would have been post Parappa. So it, I think it was post parappa. Yeah,
0: it was. I mean Parappa came in on PlayStation One. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh it definitely took a lot of those same kind of cues. Well, so here's a question for you. Uh by the way, as far as where I'm concerned, five bucks, yeah. I think it's about right for the game. Uh, I would say it's uh Honestly you, you know if you want this game and if you want it, you could spend five dollars worse. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree on that statement. So yeah, 5 bucks, great price point. I don't see why you would want to pay any more than 5 bucks right now. Maybe if it starts to go up, you know, and you like weird Japanese games, sure. See, it's one of those things where
1: I don't know how often we run into these games, but it's kind of fun to see a game that isn't great, but is definitely passable, and for some people it's certainly worth it, and that it's right in the wheelhouse of, you know... Worth paying the money for it, because if this was a twelve-dollar game, I don't know that I would be able to give it that same pass at twice, over twice the price point. But for five dollars, I- I'm gonna say it's
0: uh, it's deflated, for sure. Yeah, five dollars, I'd say deflated as well. Uh, so yeah, if you picked it up for five bucks, fantastic. Pick it up for six, you're not really losing much share. I think it's still pretty decent. Um. If you had to pick between Mad Maestro and Power Rapper to Rapper, which one do you pick? Not from a price point perspective, but from an actual gameplay. Now, remember, this is 11 levels. I think that one's, what, six? Uh, this one, you're helping a couple that's breaking up in a fashion genius and trying to make sure that everything goes well. The other one, you're making a fish cake with a chicken and driving with a moose. and, Dude, hanging I, out gotta and you, you, I gotta believe. I gotta believe. I gotta believe yeah I'm right there with you man I actually I wouldn't pay as much for power Rapa obviously and it's less levels but being able to press all the different buttons and it's just it's rappa has music.
1: more Rapa has more heart and soul in it in the fact that the uh it's a game that I want to play more of for the music not because for the
0: music it's just stupid music no that's no catchy. i want to
1: see more parappa i want to play more parappa. i think it's more fun to play especially because uh i feel like the tracks are more engaging for their time like i don't get a lot out of mad maestro whereas parappa it's like listening to him say the
0: words as you hit the buttons is kind of fun even if you're not doing so hot yeah no, I gotcha for sure because he's still trying to mumble them out. Yeah. And if you do hit it, you know, he we actually had a lot says of fun it.
1: just playing the game. Whereas Mad Maestro was mostly frustration.
0: Uh, well, mostly frustration. And when we were actually playing and enjoying it, we still got frustrated in the end because a game just, you know, who, if you have a hundred test question, okay, and you get 95% of it right, you get an A, right? Or 95 of them right. In Mad Maestro, apparently, you can well, get you too can wrong. fail Parappa at the end, but you'd have to do a lot worse, well, a lot longer. As long as you hit good, you're okay. Yeah. Like you have like five stages. You of can Parappa. really screw this game up right at the end. Yeah, like the last two notes. Type and I of feel deal. like they stack it against you that way. Yeah, like that. Just that wasn't fair. But we and were on just easy. Not yeah, I know. That's what's crazy about it. Either we're bad also, gamers, or that game if, sucks. No, also,
1: if a game has an easy mode and a normal mode usually and there's
0: no hard option that makes normal hard and easy normal yeah that's about right actually <laughs> yeah so either way five bucks pick it up if you want to um or don't or don't it's up it's up to you but we're or, gonna say it's a worthy investment to add to your collection if you're a collector get collected or john says screw that amp a rapid wrapper and buy mr mosquito because that's also a weird japanese game and it's so much better yeah so what are we playing next week so next week We are going
1: to a galaxy far, far away to a time long, long ago when the N64 ruled the console landscape as it trailed behind PS1 in sales. Uh, But we are going to check out uh, Rogue Rogue. Squadron for N64, a great game from the past. We'll see how it lives up and uh, tell you
0: if it's worth your money. I like our uh, interaction, by the way. When you were asking me if I had Rogue One, I'm like, I don't know. Go check in the drawer. Like, Maybe I have it, and I had it. Yeah. I think I have all the Star Wars games on N64, actually. Good. So, good to know. I actually have a lot of Star Wars games, apparently. All right, man. Well, episode 41. We are nine away. Well, eight away now? Or nine away? Nine away. Nine away, technically. Yeah. From episode 50. Yep. I'm stoked. Stoked. Stoked.
1: One year... Almost 50 episodes, Dota TI, get out there and game, folks. Instagram, at the Game Deflators. Instagram, at the Game Deflators. Twitter, just Game Deflators. Everywhere else, the Game Deflators.
0: Podbean, iTunes, and anywhere else you can listen to a podcast. Check us out. If if you're listening somewhere and you know
1: of a local game convention... That would get us in for free
0: with media passes and would be a cool place to go to. Let us know because we would like to go. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh, And if you're listening to us from Serbia, yes, we had Serbian listeners. Did I tell you about that? Go Serbian listener. Yeah, we have people from Serbia. More than one? (laughs) three downloads apparently from serbia go serbia listeners i was actually kind of shocked uh our listener in the uk is still listening that's good um and somebody in brazil and i think argentina this week hey if you're out there we love you keep listening i think they're finding us by accident but who knows hopefully they listen all right well my name is john and i'm ryan and let's try and get this right we are the The game Game Deflators. deflators oh yeah